Here's Dukes. Turns. Lower your flags and march straight back to Charlotte. Stopping at every gym. Pass by to beg forgiveness for a hundred years of theft. Bad refs and Carolina. Do that, and your men shall live. Do it not, and every one of you will die today. <laughs> Your commissioner must cross that field, present himself before this army, put his head between his legs, and kiss his own arse. This is the Five Four Play Podcast, the Die Hard Basketball Band Podcast, coming off right out of Charlottesville, the Charlottesville Screw Job. I mean, it's been said around the world that the ACC screwed this one up. Tyler Hansborough said it, and you know how much it takes for him to say that Duke got screwed. Every single person, Reese Davis yeah. said it last night, he ain't a fan. So mm-hmm. if, if every single one of them are coming out and saying that Duke got screwed, you know it was bad. And, you know, AC, I know that you're familiar with the Montreal screw job. Mm-hmm, uh, even mm-hmm. Vince McMahon, after the Montreal screw job, came out and said that Brett screwed Brett. But in the Charlottesville screw job, it's the exact opposite. The ACC came out and said we screwed Duke, mm-hmm. and that's what makes it so difficult to get past and to accept whether you're a fan, whether you're a player, whether you're John Shire. It is so difficult to accept a game where you had it taken away from you and didn't get what you had earned. And right. I'm so tired of opposing fans and people that, you know, obviously hate Duke and said, well, Duke had 22 turnovers. They shouldn't have won the game anyway, but they were there. So right. that's irrelevant. That's an irrelevant talking point. Exactly. But yeah, they had 22 turnovers, but they were right there and they got the game taken away from them. I understand that Flip it was scoreless in that point and had his worst game. But if you don't think that he's making a minimum one of those foul shots, then you're crazy because he's mm-hmm. hit clutch shots all season long. So is it is one of the most egregious things that I've seen in college sports. And it's so sad that we have to continually talk about not just the refereeing, but the ACC refs in, in general and what it's doing to Duke. It's sickening. I hate it for uh, John Shire that I don't know if they're picking on him because Kane's not there. I mean, that to me seems pretty logical that the ACC and maybe the NCAA as a whole – want to prop up Tony Bennett, UVA, because Kane's gone, and they need a new face for the ACC, and that's their guy. That's their shiny night now. The bad mm-hmm. guy's out of town, and the good guy's in now, and they're going to do whatever it takes to protect him. And I get it. Coach K, when he came in, Dean Smith was their guy. He was getting every call. And so all the Duke fans out there that are saying that, you know, John needs to throw chairs or get up in the faces of referees – you know, Kay would have gotten that call. Well, Kay now would have gotten that call. Right. But when he first started, didn't get that call. And he had to fight and scrap and claw to get those calls. And he had to call out the ACC. And mm-hmm. he had to call out Dean Smith for getting every single one. And still, even then, he didn't get them. Yeah. So, you know, the, it's not an apples to apples thing. John is just starting. Would I like to see a little bit more fire? Yeah, but, you know, I'm not there. I don't know what was said to him. So after taking a deep breath and thinking about it a little bit more logically, you know, I think he actually handled it very well, and his post-game comments I thought were great. 
Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll end my rant on that, but I'm supporting John here 100%. Me too. And what what a difficult thing he had to do to get his team, uh, try to get them motivated for overtime. Like, how difficult was that, man? And I mean, so, and you know, it's on the players too to try to, you know, pick, pick it up and try to see what they can do. But man, there was no way going into overtime that this team in particular was going to win that game. Like, there's no way. Like, it, it was just, at that point, it was done. It, the, the disbelief, I mean, like you, you've already mentioned across the nation, pundits everywhere talked about how bad that was. And I mean, let's get into it, right? Like, they, they number one, they couldn't even figure out what they wanted. Like, Brent, Brendan Marks is sitting there in press row, and multiple times they had to come over and try to explain differently what was going on. At one point, it was a timing issue, and then it was said that it was not a timing issue, it just wasn't a foul. And then the foul was overturned by the video, which is that's against the rules completely. Like, that's not you can't even do that. And everyone in the building knew that. And, and you saw the relief on UVA fans when it was announced in, in the gym what had happened. And for, for all the people talking about how oh, it was, a, it was a five second call anyway before it, no, it wasn't. You get five seconds. You you get the five count. And then on six, that is where the penalty comes. It's the same thing in the lane. You get three seconds. And then on four, that's where the penalty comes. It's not on five. So I don't want to hear these fake refs on Twitter talking about that's what happened. Shut up. You know, just take it. Just take your win. Take, take, take the gift that was given to you because for some reason, the University of Virginia right now is the golden child. And we, I don't know why. It's terrible basketball. It's not fun to watch. If this is what the NCAA and the ACC wants to push in our faces, then your product is done. I just want to say that. So congratulations. You got what you want. And when your ratings are the lowest they've ever been this year in the NCAA tournament because UVA is in the Elite Eight of Final Four because you push them through, then just remember this. Yeah. Thank, hey. thank you, AJ hey. Brown, for talking to Juju. <laughs> that that's what you just sounded like ac uh it's a tough weekend watching yeah. two of my favorite teams have games taken away from them by referees oh god dude like come on man like exactly and that's, all I'm say. that's all i'm yeah. gonna say about it man I, I know that we've talked about this in our text chain and, and i do believe it and then i'm not trying to throw salt in the wounds or anything for for eagle fans the difference between the two calls is one was called correctly on the on the field, whether you thought it was ticky tack or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was ticky tack, and I think ninety five percent of uh, outside of Kansas City agrees that it was a ticky tack bell. Mm-hmm. And you hate to see a great game end that way. The Duke yes. one, the correct call was made on the on the court. Yep. It was reviewed. They reviewed it again, made the wrong call, and then came back and couldn't explain why they were making the wrong call. That, as AC said, was also against the letter of the rule. Mm-hmm. So whether it was a timing issue or whether it was, you know, trying to reverse yeah. home, which you can't, can't do like that. Both of them were, were wrong by yeah. the letter of the law. And then you still screwed them and then made them go out in, in, in overtime and try to win there, which you had no chance of doing. Um, not to mention, like if you really want to get pissy um, and sour grapes, the referee in overtime was atrocious. It was terrible. They doubled oh and tripled down. Yeah. So, like, there was one play where Proctor's driving and dribbling and dribbling. Yeah. One dribbling. play? Proctor got <laughs> hacked more than... Yeah. Right. And so the one player that I'm talking about is Dickie V had the audacity to say that's too much dribbling. He's getting hacked every single Just time. Murdered. The I mean, to be fair, it, it kind of was too much dribbling, it but was there was a reason he was dribbling right. too much. Right. <laughs> right. And, and, that, and the, that's the other thing. That's the other gripe I have with this whole thing. 
especially with UVA. I get it. There's certain teams that have certain styles of play. And as a referee, it's it's your job to number one, first and foremost, it's your job to call the fouls as they are. But second, it's also your job to allow certain styles of play to to go as they are. But UVA for years since they've implemented it, since Tony has implemented this this pack line in your face defense that everybody loves and talks about. They have been allowed to push and shove and elbow and kick so many players, and 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 it's it's getting it's starting to become ridiculous, man. Like you cannot allow the physicality that they allow UVA to get away with. You can't because you don't do that in the other game. You only allow that with a team that's known for that type of defense, and it's that, that's shitty, man. It's shitty. Just watch yeah. their run to the championship in 2019. They have multiple yeah. games they should have lost. Yep, multiple. And, and got away with another horrible foul call in, in that Purdue game. Like yep. Purdue like, and Auburn. Don't forget Auburn. Yeah, the Auburn game, too. Um, I just want to say sorry to... And I want to give a little bit of advice, too. Uh, so I want to say sorry to Filipowski. I don't know what it is about the state of Virginia. But <laughs> yeah. if you ever uh, have to drive... If you ever have to drive north, drive around yeah, the Jesus. state of Virginia. Because yeah. you'll never make it out of there alive. You'll have... Don't even 14, fly over. Yeah. You, you might want to... Yeah. Maybe, like, do that one around the, the Atlantic... Just yeah, kind of something. avoid Virginia Beach and, you know, go up the coast. Um, because I don't know what it is, you know, getting punched at, at Virginia Tech. Nothing to see here. Sprains his ankle on, on getting fouled by two different guys. Um, nothing to see here either. And, you know. Got elbowed is, in the throat and, again last night. And then, yeah, then he got elbowed in the throat. I mean, I, how much can, abuse can one guy take? I, I, dude, I don't, I don't get it, man. I don't – I. If the, if this is if this is some kind of message to John about earn your stripes or whatever else like because I, I I tried to look back a little bit and just look at some of the different coaches throughout the, I, I kind of just did back into about 1990 or so look at some of the different coaches and and how many foul calls their team got and and free throws and everything else and almost to a man there's only there's only about four examples of of four or five examples of new coaches in the ACC since 1990 that at least by year three you did not see an increase in their fouls and, and free throw attempts. So what, and this is all an ACC play. So whatever it is, man, like whatever, like earn your stripes, whatever the hell, but come on, man, you can't just blatantly cheat teams. Come on, bro. Yeah. So let's talk about the game itself because there's a lot of talk about the game. So, you know, again, the, the, the number that keeps getting thrown around is the 22 turnovers. And believe me, it's way too many. And we got to cut that down. Right. We also out-rebounded them 39-24. to 24. We mm-hmm. shot the ball decently well from three, and we had chances to win that game even with a shitty whistle the whole night. Um, talking about the negative here, Jack, um, I, I didn't like a lot of the substitution patterns. I didn't like the fact that Lively only played 11 minutes. I thought that that was a, a poor coaching decision on John, especially when Ryan Young is playing Matador defense and getting layup after layup scored on him. I understand that he had uh, Lively had a little bit of foul trouble with three, but we needed all five of his, and we needed him on the floor trying to protect the rim when you know all their buckets, especially early on, are going to the rim. And, and, and I know that's a little bit on Lively as well in the first half. But if if, if Young is not giving us what we needed offensively, then you, you have to do something else defensively, even if it's moving flip to the five, and whether it's Mark. I mean, I thought my our best lineup was Roach, Proctor, Whitehead, and Grandison along with mm-hmm. Flip, and or, or Lively or Lively. Mm-hmm. So, Jack, I mean, I know that you, you had a little bit of a different perspective than I did. What did you see out there? 
I saw Ryan Young and Jacob Grandison creating offense when Duke's uh, younger guys were stalling out, which was the reason that Duke was able to get a little bit of a lead in that first half. It was it was amazing. Young also played some decently strong defense at the beginning. At the beginning, I'm going to keep that clear, um, especially for his standards. Um, and then I think most importantly, it's Lively. Lively didn't. It wasn't that Shire didn't want to play him. It's that he was benched. He allowed three straight wide open cuts to the basket and like screen and rolls where he didn't drop properly and. He was like near the free throw line. Guys were getting wide open layups and dunks. He got benched because he was not playing active and attentive defense. He did not, Shire didn't not play him because he didn't want to. He was sending a message. Well, phrasing there's bad, but you know what I'm trying to say. He was sending a message to Lively that if you do not play defense, you cannot. If you don't even try to play defense, you can't be playing in a game of this magnitude. Yeah, and I guess that's why only, the eleven minutes. Yeah, fair enough, but I, I definitely agree with you, especially in the first half. Um, I guess my point to that is that in the second half, why why are we bench for exactly what Ryan Young is doing on the court, which is giving up layup after layup? He's slow well, to young recover. T- young so, tried. He young tried. tried. Yeah, he definitely tried. But lively in the second half, lively was just multiple times in the few second half minutes he played. He would not drop on a screen, or he would just move up as someone was cutting back door toward the free throw line, which resulted in I think six or eight UVA points. Like he. So here's my question with that: who's playing horrible defensively, and that's the real reason he's in the game. Right, and and here's my question with that: it's like at what point? I mean, because you're at this point, especially in your season. Like what? What could that win do for your team? And and maybe John thinks or thought that Ryan Young being in the game was going to be enough. And and honestly, <laughs> quite frankly, it was. It, kind of was. Was. it was enough exactly. to, to get the win. But yeah. I'll but, be real. Sorry, so you go. Uh, I'll be real. Like Young's offensive contributions with like creating shots for himself and for other people, directing traffic and everything, and doing all those little coach things that. I've talked about so fondly this year, him and Grandison doing that together, but especially him, you know, Grandison was valuable in other ways too. That was more impactful, I think, than lively on the defensive end, because again, Young was trying on defense. He had some good defensive plays and he was creating a bunch on offense that lively wouldn't be able to do. But one, and one of the problems that I have is, it's 28 minutes. Like it's that's it's clearly from an endurance standpoint, it's too much for Ryan Young because oh, I agree. over and over again now we have seven games worth of evidence up to that UVA game or including that UVA game where the end of the game was either lost or we let the team back into the game by keeping him in the game at the end. And yes, there is there's something. But at what point is that Lively's fault? And at what point do the coaches not? expressly like on the bit like we had a week of practice leading up to uva to to scout what they were going to do and and you saw ryan young picking up on a lot of things the one thing that we didn't scout and didn't pick up on was kihei clark continuously driving over and over again one-on-one versus ryan young we didn't pick that one up so at what point is that on the coaches to say you know what Derek, get in here and get me three stops right now because that's it that's all we needed in a game like this was three stops and 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 i don't think uva runs pick switch to get 
Kihei Clark on Derek Lively in those situations, but they absolutely do it against Ryan Young. Even just his presence in some of those moments would be enough to shut down whatever that was. Because at that yeah. point, we weren't allowing the back door anymore. We weren't. We had picked up on all those things. You're right. Lively was allowing some things to happen, but it's it, uh, whatever. It's, it's to, to me. To me, say this. Go ahead, Jeff. I'll say this. I can tell you a hundred percent that he was benched and that Shire was making a statement because he would have been in for a lob on that play that led to the flip no call. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know that uh, in Onitax group, you know. That was a timeout, and I'm like, run, run the lob. Mm-hmm. Um, easy lob to Lively, but yeah. he was benched. He, like, well, I think it should have been more small, like, relative to the And yet, and still, the play that was run lineups. still worked. Yes, it the did. The play that was run yeah. still worked. Yeah, I think I mean, it should have been a lot of mark and flip down the stretch as the, yeah. like, 4-5 instead of flip and young, but what we had worked. At the end of the day, Duke wins that game in regulation. Like I know on last podcast, I predicted a win at the end and a loss when we talked about the seven-game stretch. I did not mean it like this. Yeah. but And hats off to UVA for you know, trying to keep us in the game because they went 9 for 22 from the free throw line. And again, That's true. Like, That's true. So people talk about our 22 turnovers, but okay, you can also, you can point it there, 9 for 22 from the free throw line. Like It, it, was, a, it, it was basketball. Like Things happen in basketball that are unexplained, but... Regardless, this if this team is going to reach their ceiling in the tournament, we have to find a way to we have to we have to find a way to either not lose games or to win games at the end. And it, a part of that is our lineup. Like the lineup is a big part of that because you saw it in UNC where five guys got over thirty minutes. That's minus Whitehead, of course. But at at this point, like. Like, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, mean, I just get frustrated with seeing just seeing some of the lineup combos because just there are certain combos with the team that just do not work and they just keep rolling them out there. So I don't know if they're just trying continually trying to make it work and just forcing the square peg into the round hole. But at some point, give it up. We have a seven man rotation at this point. Maybe I guess it's seven, eight. Eight man rotation for sure. And it but, might stretch back out to nine when Blake's gets the stupid I, mask off. I don't think it will, man. Nah, I really don't. Nah, he's done. I think he's done the season and come back next year, fi- fi- fix some things, come back next year, and maybe you can be a part of it. But I, I, I don't, I don't see him being a part of this team moving forward. I, I, don't, like forever, I don't. I don't. This is not to disparage him, but I, I don't want him to be a part of it. I think we have a solid eight that mm-hmm. are head and shoulders above him, mm-hmm. and if he wants to come in the end of half or fouling situations, that's one thing. But you know, he played one minute in that game against UBA, and not one time in that game did I say, "Oh, we should insert plays." Mm-hmm. And, and quite frankly, we want to see him shoot as well. I never thought he should have played in either one of those. Last no, games. at this point, Jake Jake uh, is doing yeah. winning things to win games for us at this point, yeah. and, and as a part, of, we talked about this a couple podcasts great. ago. Yeah. That's a three man rotation of there were those three were those three are playing for a spot, and right now the six year senior is winning. So, and, yeah. and not only is he winning, he he's earned it. Like yeah. he, he's at, like he's hands down won it, and that's Absolutely. been a positive. And you know, I think that for for the UVA game, I think again, like you both said, you know, what's been frustrating is despite the negatives that we've we've talked about, and you know, uh, whether it's the lively minutes distribution or um, some of them, you know, actually one of the things you haven't brought up yet, and I'll give you a ch- chance to do it, is is the way we play offense against UVA and getting the balls in the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, but with all that being said, we still should have won the game 
So yeah. that just is a test. We can, we can do it. The margins just so razor thin with this team yeah. that you know we need to, to make the winning plays. So I want you to actually talk about real quick before we switch gears. Is you know your uh, astute observation of when we play UVA or half line defense team when the ball goes into the corner on offense. Yeah, and that and that contributed to at least six of our twenty two turnovers. Early in the game, we were passing up shots for long passes against the pack line defense. The pack line defense does one thing and one thing only. It funnels you to the sideline, to the corner, because now you have essentially two extra defenders with the corner baseline and sideline. So you have two extra defenders on top of the other defenders that's going to be there with you. So that's exactly what pack line is meant to do. The two places you have to attack pack line, you have to attack it off the elbows, through the middle. You can't, you're not going to get driving angles from the wings, which we were trying to do over and over again early on. You have to attack it from the elbows, and you have to. Once you do start getting success attacking from the elbows, the kick has to go to the corner, and when it goes to the corner, you have to shoot immediately. Do not think, do not pass, go, none of that. Shoot the damn ball. You have to do that, and we weren't doing it. And then that's what Grandison Whitehead ended up doing, and it saved us because that forced everything that they wanted to do out the window. And and kudos to Jeremy Roach early on because he was attacking in some of the wrong places early, but once Jeremy got going early and with Kihei Clark on him, he was attacking the basket exactly where he's supposed to attack from. And then they ended up having to put Reese Beekman on him off of Ty- Tyrese Proctor. And then Tyrese went nuts. Anybody that Beekman was on during the game was shut down for that moment. Whitehead, Proctor, Roach. The minute Beekman left one of those guys or left the game, our guards went on on just huge tears. So UVA depends fully on Reese Beekman. And that's that's it. Like He's not out there on the floor for them. They are screwed. So anybody out there who wants the the you know the blueprint for beating UVA this season, if you listen to this podcast, either get Reese Beekman in foul trouble or force him, force him onto somebody else and have the other guy play play great offense because that's exactly what Jeremy Roach did and Tyrese Proctor did to a man like every time Beekman switched. So it's very simple with them, and and yes, it's, it it can be difficult to continuously make that attack when they're going to hack and foul and push and kick you, but you just have to have that toughness when you play them to 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 continue to make that attack. Yeah, I agree, and I, I did think we we played tough, even with the turnovers. Maybe mentally, um, you know, you, you keep trying to do the same thing over and over again. But overall, I thought we played tough, and you know, we just kind of <laughs> got screwed. So let's switch gears here. Let's play and talk about what that game does for the tournament seedings because we're kind of in that stretch run now. We got what five games left. Mm-hmm. And we want to talk about what does that game do? Because you, you see a lot of pundits out there saying, does the committee look at that game and say, well, Duke should have won the game that on the road against a top five team. They got screwed. Um, do they count them? Do they count it as a quad one win? Essentially, do they not knock Duke for it? You know, what, what do they do Jack with, with what transpired? And then obviously we beat Notre Dame like we should have at home, so that's not going to really move the needle one way or another for us. Um, but what, what what do you see the tournament committee doing with that? I mean, almost doesn't count. Mm-hmm. They're going to treat this like a loss. It's going to be a Q1 loss. Duke has a few Q1 Which essentially is have. a tiebreaker. That's true. Duke has more Q1 wins than Kentucky and Carolina combined as of right now um honestly that's that's what it's going to be looking that's what we're going to be looking at though i think it changes a lot 
obviously I, I think Duke's a solid four or five if they if that game does end up a win now they're looking at between a six and an eight realistically and that's like they even said seven everything... uh, nine last night yeah who the hell said that <laughs> they had Joe Lenardi come on in the, the halftime of the game that's a lot after. of things yeah, no, I know, I know. Like, I know. He's he's local. He's he's a professor out out in Philly, out here in Philly, and he's, he's high respect, high high degree of respect for him as a numbers guy and as a professor. But like, you know, he always puts the blue bloods lower than they should be unless they're like clear cut undefeated number one, or unless like Kansas because Kansas is perpetually <laughs> number one. In I don't life. know why he loves Kansas. Like he's a professor at St. Joe's. I don't know. I don't know what it is about <laughs> Kansas, but. He always underrates Duke, Kentucky, and Carolina unless there's like unless it's a team like 2015 Kentucky or 2019 Duke, and even 2019 Duke, I think he had as a two for most of the year, mm-hmm. which that team was the number one overall seed. <laughs> um, but yeah, those like those teams tend to get pushed, and it's like he's ESPN's guy. ESPN's a hype machine. You can't you can't tell me that he's not fudging the numbers a little bit to garner headlines. Like if Duke and Of course. You know, like I mean not to mention the fact that he has he has Carolina on the bubble and Duke firmly above it. A nine seed's not necessarily firmly above the bubble. Right. Right. And and this is not but a bubble team, me, right? Yeah. But you want to tell me that two of the final four teams are lower half seeds and one of the preseason top five teams isn't even going to make the tournament at all, according to this guy. Of course, people are going to pay attention to that, especially with two weeks ago until March. I mean, I think I, I this, think Duke's between a six and an eight right now. I think so too. I, th- I think I think being a seven seed for this team is perfect. But it puts them on the other side of the bracket from the one seed in the region. It, it keeps them. It keeps them on that other side, which for all intents and purposes with this team, I think is. I think that's the best possible scenario. Keep them on the side with the two seed and fight for a chance to get close to your region. I mean, I, I think that's what this team needs to fight for at this point. And the only thing that's going to help that is winning. Like, And and what can this team do to, to make that magical run, right? Because I, I think this team has parts and pieces. It is an average team as they play right now with above average potential. Like... You have potential in Derek Whitehead, Derek, bro. I need you. I need you to attack the bastard, dog. I can't, like him becoming an alpha scorer where they give him the ball and he can go and get it is that that completely changes the profile of this team. I don't know if we're going to get that. Derek Lively, I need you to earn that time that we know you've earned, man, because he had a four game stretch where it was there, it was right there, all for the taking. And then UNC happened, and it was like, here we go. And now he has just completely regressed from that point, bro. I need you to step up, man. Like flip. Great game last night for the most part. You see him attacking more and everything, but you can tell he has hit that wall, man. Like he, he needs some help. Like Mark Mitchell, like it need, need you to step up, bro, because just the tools that this team has, they are they are absolutely you know, final four caliber tools. I just don't know that we see those tools just come together and, and create the project all at once. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I completely agree with that. I think that it's, a, it's an honest observation. It's an honest assessment of what we are. I think we're a mediocre team with above mediocre potential, just like you said. We have five games left, and I know last week we did the seven-game um, projections, right? Mm-hmm. But how big does this game at Syracuse become now? 
And I know we're going to get to our predictions, but just mm-hmm. in terms of tournament seeding, Syracuse is fighting for their life in mm-hmm. terms of trying to get in like they do every year. Yep. But this is a game, it's our last real road game until North Carolina. So it is. It's our last road game until North Carolina. We just got, you know, screwed at UVA. This is a game that we can come in and say, okay, we, we had the, the game against Notre Dame, you know, where your emotions are still high from the UVA screw job. Understandable, and maybe you let, let your guard down a little bit when you had a 12, 14-point lead against Notre Dame. Okay. And, and we'll talk about the Notre Dame game in a minute. But now you have the Syracuse game mm-hmm. on the road. They need a statement win. We're still a statement win, even if, even if we're not at our peak. Mm-hmm. This is a game where if, if you're Dariq Whitehead, at this point, all I'm seeing from you is that you're relegated to being a shooter. No better time than go ahead and knock down four or five threes than against the zone. Truly. Truly. And, you know, what? A, again, we'll, we'll talk about it in a minute. But, yes, the Syracuse game becomes vitally important. It's a game that I picked for us to lose. I, I, I don't care. Like, I really, we need to win this game. We have to win this game. Come, and them coming off a win against NC State, like, they're going to be flying high. The best thing we can possibly do if this team is going to salvage their season and put UVA, truly put UVA behind them, they're going to need something cathartic to happen. And very much like that 14-15 team going into Syracuse after a bunch of losses, and they came in and just galvanized themselves and, and, and whooped Syracuse's ass. Like this team, if this team does that, it restores a lot of faith in themselves. It restores a lot of faith from the fan base. And at that point, you're playing well enough to where okay, the officials can't. They can, you are you are you're putting it on them. Like go ahead, here's the spotlight on you. And if you're going to keep screwing us, then every, everybody on earth is going to continue to see it. And you got some shit to answer for. You you can't give them the chance. Like just take it to them. Yeah, we'll, we'll predict that game in a minute, but I, w- I do want to talk about the Notre Dame Duke game from last night. So obviously, we all predicted Duke to win that game, and for a while there, uh, even in the second half, with you know nine and a half minutes to go, it looks like you know we're going to cruise here, fourteen, fifteen, maybe more uh, in terms of, of of the win. And then you know it's just Jack is one of those teams where you just have a couple really stupid plays, you know, let teams hang around. Mm-hmm. The game pressure might get to you, and sometimes that favors us. Um, sometimes it doesn't. And at home against a team that you're supposed to beat, and I know Notre Dame is, you know, quote unquote, better than their record, but we 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 allow them to hang around and hit some big shots. Um, so I didn't come away from that game with anything other than relief. I don't know how you felt. Yeah, I mean, obviously I'm relieved that we won, given everything. But at the same time, that's just Dane Goodwin, like turning into I don't even know man <laughs> turning into Michael Jordan he had number 23 on uh, I was going to say Danny Ferry from that game against Miami <laughs> but Michael Jordan Goodwin man nah even Jordan didn't hit like that at Cameron <laughs> nah he he just became unconscious out there and that's the only thing that was able to keep them in the game Duke yeah Duke had a little like a stupid play here and there, but not nah, props to Dane Goodwin because he was not the guy I expected to go off for Notre Dame. And he played probably the best game I've seen anyone come into Cameron and do this year. Yeah, no, he did. He had a great game. Good for him. Great game. I mean, we, again, we, we let, once again, we let them back into the game. <laughs> we, 
only out rebounded the, a, a small team by one. We let them continue to play tough. We we actually one thing one problem we've had all season is against zone, and we actually played actually our our zone uh, offense against zone was better than our offense against their man defense when they switched to man in the second half, which is wild because we were used to playing against man defense all season. We we were we looked very efficient. We got good shots against the zone. We didn't turn the ball over. We only had eight turnovers in the game. We weren't fouling. Like we were playing a game that lended itself to a double digit victory, and we just like like you guys just said, we we let them back into the game with with silly plays. I mean, Jeremy and Tyrese after coming off some really good games, really both of them had bad games against Notre Dame. They both did not really affect the game the way they typically do. Jeremy was very inefficient from the floor, three for twelve, and and Tyrese really didn't just he didn't insert himself into the game and didn't assert himself as he normally does as the point guard. Like, and, and some of that is because we were playing against his own. And, but when, when they switched to man, that should have been automatic attack the basket relentlessly. Like when you are protecting a lead, you don't need to continue to shoot threes. You attack the basket. That is how you protect leads because the more you score and the more fouls you get called against them, the more opportunities you have at points like by, by shooting threes and allowing them to rebound long shots, which they were doing. And then they were running out and getting to the basket, getting fouled, everything else. They were making the plays that got that get you back in the games, and that was the problem. That was the problem I saw last night. Like I was baffled last night as it was happening, but as you continue just to look back at it, it's like that's exactly what we did. We did not do what veteran teams do, which is you assert yourself with two point baskets once you get a lead. That is how you protect leads. Yeah, it's exactly what we did against uh, UNC at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you attack the basket, and if you miss, you count on your big guys to come in there and clean it up. And when we were effective, that's what we were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to give a little bit more of a positive spin, I do want to give Jeremy Roach credit. He trusted his guy when he found Mark Mitchell in the corner. Yeah. That is not exactly oh, yeah. the shot that I thought I would want. I was but, mad. <laughs> I mean, let's just be honest about it. That's not the shot. Honestly, I didn't mind it. But, if I can say that. I mean, uh, hindsight's twenty twenty and all, but yeah. Mark has been... From we we made jokes about it all season. He's been good from the corner shooting threes, sure. despite the poor shooting form and everything else. But he hasn't and, made and a three in like eight games. It has. It's been a minute since he's made a three. But that is that is the area, especially in Cameron, that he he hits shots. Man, he really does sure. that left wing, sure. that left uh, corner. Yeah, he was two or three last night. I mean, he mm-hmm. shoots well. Yeah. He shoots well in Cameron when when he's feeling good, and he he only played fifteen minutes last night, but. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they trusted him, and Shire, after the game, was talking to, to the team about Mark's work ethic and yep. in the gym every day shooting 100 extra threes from that very spot, and hard work pays off. And so mm-hmm. I'm happy for the kid. That's a huge moment. It's what won us the game. Uh, it was nice to see uh, Proctor go down there and knock those free throws to, to completely ice it. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to see, you know, your point guard that shoots 87% from the line go down and calmly knock him down, and he did. And you so, want to see that guy continue to attack the basket. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yeah. Please. That's where I'm at with that. Like, that, that's what I take away from that. We won the game. Great job. Like, do you understand who you are? <laughs> like, dude, <laughs> give me a break, man. Like, get in there, bro. Also, I just, I really quickly want to go back and talk a little bit more about why the team kind of struggled down the stretch. Um, you know, they're young. Notre Dame plays at an incredibly low, like slow pace, and Duke played oh. down to that. This is a young team more time you take each possession, the more opportunity you have to make a mistake or a boneheaded read mm-hmm. or a stupid shot. The less time you have to take a good shot no as doubt. the shot clock that, runs down. 
And that's exactly why you have to continue to attacking when you have a lead. Yes. And I hope that's a, I hope that becomes a learning point and, and film and with the coaches and everything else. Like you, you, every coach in America will teach their team that you have to attack the basket when you have a lead. You cannot settle for threes. You cannot play three point ball and let them back in the game. You have to attack. The question Speaking, is talking to you, Derek Whitehead. Yeah. He's only had, he's only had 15 free throw attempts on the season and has made 14 of them. The, the question is do they learn from it? Because there was one play at the end. You, um, UNC, Jesus. Uh, Notre Dame, he just hit a three. Mm-hmm. Duke has a, a good defensive stand. The ball is loose. It was a Proctor and Whitehead going for the ball, basically looking at each other. Neither one of them grabs it. Mm-hmm. Open three for, for Notre Dame. They hit it. And so what was an eight-point game now turns into a two-point game. Yep. There are multiple times this season, especially in the last few games, where I've seen our guys look at each other rather mm-hmm. than just going after and getting the ball. Yep. And so loose balls are so huge, especially, again, when your margin for error is so small. You have to get the loose balls. You can't turn the ball over. And I know we didn't turn it over as much last night, nor should we have, because they don't force turnovers. Mm-hmm. But just stupid plays that allow them to get easy buckets. And those threes that they hit, and especially the, the second one that I'm talking about, those are easy shots. When you're down and you're wide open, you got nothing yep. to lose. Game yep. pressure's all on the other team. Those are easy shots to hit. And um, credit to them to, to hit to, for hitting them. But you, you can't. It's low basketball IQ. And there, there are moments in every single game where you just got to be smarter and have a higher IQ than the other team and make winning plays, and, and we just weren't doing that. So, you know, that, that that's what scares me about this team. Me too. Me too. And I, I, I hate to keep piling on again, but God damn it, Tariq. Like, it, it hurts because he's one of my favorite players, and I love what he was going to offer coming out of high school, and there's, there's still a chance to rectify it all. But he is shooting better from, the, from three than he is from the floor, which is wild to me. I mean, he's to be fair, he's shooting seventy-five percent in his last few games. He has, but he's on overall in the season. He's shooting forty percent from three and shooting thirty-eight percent from two. Like that is unacceptable for somebody who is six-seven with your length and athleticism. And I know he's been hurt. I get it, and I understand that. But it, it you got to do more than that, man. You have to do, the, and you have to know that you have to do more than that. Like this is your squad, man. You came in here talking all that jazz in the offseason about what's coming. Show us. Show us, because if we see it, then this team becomes a Final Four team instantly, and I'm, that is not an overstatement. I'm done with the re- I'm done. I'm done talking about the re- I'm sorry. All right, fair enough. All right, let's talk about the last two games that we have uh, to talk about for this, for this podcast. Again, we, we, we talked about Syracuse. This is a huge game. Every game's huge for Duke going forward. Five games mm-hmm. left. We need, we need them one. all. Um, but we can't get them all without getting this one at Syracuse. It's against the zone. We're a great rebounding team when we want to be. This is a game where we should clean up on the offensive glass. This is a game where if you're Philip Housey, if you're Flip, if you're Ryan Young, you get those offensive rebounds, we can't be missing bunnies. If you mm-hmm. don't feel like you can make that bunny, kick it the fuck out and get an open three for Roach, for Whitehead, for Proctor, for Grandison, maybe Mark Mitchell in the corner. I'd love to have Flip at the at the foul line the entire game. And let him hit those those same shots that he was hitting last night against Notre Dame. Foul line, mm-hmm. knock him down. Absolutely. What a great game to have before Syracuse, honestly. Two teams playing zone like that because one of the reasons I, I didn't like the Syracuse game was because we we're going to have to face a zone 
even with you know a few days of practice. But we just played a game against it and and actually looked very good against the zone early on. So I really think that this team can continue that. We got to get on the break on this team too. Syracuse allows teams to get on the break. They allow fast break points, and if you don't allow them to set up where they want to set up in their zone, then you will automatically win that game. So that that is going to be huge. This team has shown that they can break. They did it against UNC. They've done it a couple other times throughout the season, but consistently we don't do it. That is something I want to see this team do is is get out on that break and and really show what they are capable of with the amount of ball handlers with, that we have and everything else. Like it's a game we have to win, and I'm, I'm going to say seven, 72 to, to 68. we got to win this game. Very similar to what I have written down for myself, 74-70. Um, I think we win. I know I predicted a loss, but uh, fuck it. Mm-hmm. we got to win this game. Jack, At what this you point, got? it's us against them. Yeah. Us against the world. 100%. Man. 100%. <laughs> fuck it. I have 73 to 67. Uh, so we're all pretty much in the same ballpark there. Yeah. Uh, and Jack, we're going to keep it here with you because this is your squad, Louisville. Um, no, they're not. <laughs> don't, don't ever, don't ever call them that. I mean, this is your boy. Um, so we, Nolan's my boy, but that's after, it. After all the shit that we've talked about, Louisville, we we we, we cannot lose this game. Oh, no, no, I don't think we will. It's Louisville. Look, nothing more needs to be said, right? I mean, I'm going to be honest. After what happened to Georgia Tech, and that was at Georgia Tech, mm-hmm. Louisville's worse. Wasn't that the only game they won, Georgia Tech? Yes, but Louisville's yeah. still worse. Oh, they're terrible. They're only ten and a half games out of first. <laughs> oh, you know, they did, they did play. They played Miami close in Miami, and this is a one-day rest game, and this is one of those games where – what kind of fortitude do you have as a team? Because Duke could very easily walk into this game saying what we're saying. It's Louisville. And Louisville comes out smoking on us. Especially Nolan's going to be so fired up for this game. Yeah, that's going to be gonna tough. Be, I'm going to be interested to see how he comes out. Is, is he going to be you know, shaking hands with the Nolan smile? Or is he going to be business face? I'm here I'm here to beat y'all's ass because of, of, of everything. So I, 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 that's going to be a weird situation, I think. And I think it's going to be weird for John. This is going to be one of those games. Uh, the honestly, the assistants and, and and really Jay Lucas, who's not you know not a Duke guy, lean on him a little bit because John, as you know, Bobby Hurley had trouble playing against his brother. Kay has always mentioned not liking playing against you know Capel and Bray and all the other guys. Like this is going to be one of those games. John is going to need to to lean on some other people to help him figure out and how to navigate his emotions in this game because it's going to be difficult for him. With it that is. being said, it's a game we I have mean, to have, win. They, they got a long team that that they play man defense for the most part. I think we might see a little bit of zone with them as well. And again, in Cameron, like coming off of a one day rest, we just we failed that test the last time. The, I'm sure the, the the dudes are very aware of that, and they will be made very aware of that. You get to play at home this time, and just come out and just take care of business. Just take care of business because you got a tough stretch for the next two after that. So. I think it's going to be ugly. I think it's going to be a very ugly game, at least early on. And and who who steps up and, and is that player who's like, man, I am here to take this team into the tournament. Is it going to be Dariq? I, I, this is a type of game I think he could thrive. So give me Duke 75, give me Louisville 60. But it's going to be ugly early on. Yeah, I got 84-62. I just think that Louisville stinks. So I hope I don't eat my words here, but they're they're terrible. Jack, what do you got? 
Hope Jay can coach a good game because it's going to be really tough for Carowell Shire. Mm-hmm. Emil, you know. Mm-hmm. At really, the same point, they got you know they got they got business to take care of too. You know what I mean? Like oh yeah. emotions aside, but yeah, you're exactly. I mean, that's exactly what we were just talking, I was just talking about too, man. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I I was trying to go off what you said. Yeah. I see, but and, and Jay Lucas, you know, Jay Lucas, you know, yeah. he's going to have a decent scout oh, for this yeah. game, having oh, yeah. you know, having to prepare for Louisville with Kentucky. So he's going to know some of the players at least. He's not going to know yeah, necessarily like what Kenny Payne is going to do, but some of the players, yeah, like two. But I don't know. Like L. Ellis is really as Louisville's going to go as far as L. Ellis takes them in this game. Yeah. Hopefully, that's not far. And he's from Durham. He 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 did he did some unofficial visits. There's just so many storylines with this Louisville game that I just don't like, man. This is a scary game for me off one day rest with that many motivating storylines for the other team, man. I swear to God, I, just, I don't like it, bro. I don't like it. I'm it, not it, makes their, reason, it makes their entire like season if they, if they can go in there and, and it absolutely steal does. One. Yeah. Get one. Get one for our coach, Nolan. Get one for our future head coach. That, that says so much. I'm telling you, man, it says so much for them. Seriously. Like this is a game that the the players cannot like they can't look at it like this is Louisville they can't they those can't. dudes are gonna come with some fire man and they are still a Division One ACC team as bad as they are. All right, well all that says to me is that it will continue to be us against the world. Every single force, especially the ACC, is against us. They don't want to see succeed. They certainly don't want John Shire to succeed. Flip said it after the game last night. It's just the guys in the locker room at this point. Any fans that are left, step on board because we need every single one of you to get behind this team. Margin for error is small. Let's go, Duke. Let's go, Duke. Hey, guys. Thanks for checking out the Five Point Play podcast. Like, comment, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Also, check us out on Twitter and on Instagram. Five Point Play podcast. It's us against the world. Let's go, Duke.